and welcome back to. Do that again. Alex is choking over there. Mm. Okay. You can probably just keep this in. It's pretty funny, but gross. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Dirt Talk Podcast Monday edition. As always, we're here to make the dirt world a better place. It is me, Aaron Witt, joined by my co-host, Alex Horton. Hey, y'all. We're excited to be here. We did not get to record last week because I was out and about. Um, I was in St. Louis beginning of the week and then back into the week in Arizona. But we are back in rainy Nashville, Tennessee, ready to podcast. Ready to podcast, ready to make the dirt world a better place. Yes. I thought you were going to say that again. That would have been a nice like tag to the intro. That would have been more well thought out. <laughs> but as our listeners know, this is not a well thought out production. It's not. We try to use the word podcast in all kinds of parts of phrase. Like, yeah, that was a podcast. Yeah. We're podcasting. Yeah. Hey, ladies, did you hear I have a podcast? We got a podcast. <laughs> it hasn't, that, that pickup line hasn't worked work. for me yet. Yeah. I'm still trying it though. Maybe I just don't have enough data points. Yeah. <laughs> Keep trying it. Then you'll have more data. You'll know exactly what, where you went wrong. Yeah. And you'll know where you can go right. Yeah, yeah. It'll work one day. Yeah. Anyway, back to business. This is a business-only podcast. This is, as our listeners know, this is a business-only podcast. Yep. And we just talk about the business things. So speaking of business, mm-hmm. should I get into my St. Louis trip? Yeah. Okay. Well, I went to St. Louis, as I explained in my past, in the past episode, last week's episode, I think I roughly explained going to see Andy Frisella, Ed Milet in St. Louis yes. at a, a two-day meeting for their program called Arte Syndicate Entrepreneurship Program. Uh, it, sorry, how are you? Arate? Arate. Yeah, yeah. I've been in it for a few years now. It's it's mostly been like weekly calls about business yeah. it's for business owners, entrepreneurs, how to scale your scale your team, or how to I don't know and lay out the vision. Or yeah. it's it's really just like you're creating a business. This is for you. Um. So I got to actually meet Andy, which was pretty cool. There were about 150 people there. It was a bigger group than I was expecting. Uh, but it was two days. We heard them speak a bunch. They brought speakers in like Joe Montana, which was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, dinner at Andy's house, uh, dinner at his farm, spent a lot of time in the First Form headquarters, toured the whole headquarters. It was really a surreal few days. And the coolest part about it was so I met Andy second night I believe and they're busy and people are trying to meet him nonstop so it's it's hard to it was hard to meet these guys but met Andy and amazingly enough he said yeah shit I know who you are because he's followed me on Instagram for about a year now yeah. and he loves heavy equipment so I was joking around with him I'm like yeah dude your your Ferraris are cool but I mean come on heavy equipment right and he's like yeah yeah he he was all fired up about it. Um, and it was really, really cool. And then the second day, second day he was talking about personal branding and he brought me up because he was like, <laughs> I think he said like some, some guy asked, you know, I'm in commercial real estate or something like that. How do I create a brand out of this? It's somewhat obscure and I'm not sure where to start. And he just said, dude, you can create a, personal brand out of anything. And then he, I was just sitting in front of him. I was like, 
look at Wit right here. Like he made an entire personal brand out of pictures of bulldozers. And I'm just sitting there smiling like, holy shit, this was the guy that I learned to post and create a personal brand. This, this is the guy I learned how to create a personal brand from. Yeah. He inspired a lot of that. He inspired me to create the BuildWit brand and post my pictures of bulldozers on the internet. And now here he is in his branding presentation in front of business owners, acknowledging me as a good example of doing what he was just talking about. You're like, yeah, my close personal friend, Andy Frisella. We're yeah, close personal yeah, friends. Yeah, me and Andy are bros yeah. on the internet, mm-hmm. which it was really cool. I don't need to get super into it and be this huge fanboy, although I am. But it was a... Made oh, you feel shit. pretty good. You know who just drove by? Eric Jumper. Eric Jumper. Uh-oh. We might be interrupted here, folks, by Eric Jumper. What's what's new? What's new? Um. Anyway, it was a really cool experience. And my biggest takeaway was that we're doing what's right within our own business. Yeah. We're on the right path. He, they talked about caring for people and, and sticking to your values and just doing business at a higher level. And it's, it was, you know, you, you bust your ass and there's a lot of days where you just wonder like, what the hell am I doing? And to have these very well-accomplished people that I've looked up to for a very long time saying, this is what you should be doing and it aligning with what we're actually doing is a really good feeling. Yeah. And he used the analogy of, you know, when you're baking a cake, you can't just, if it's 400 degrees for 40 minutes, you can't just turn it up to 800 and do it 20. Like you just have to let the cake bake. Yeah. And I feel like we're in that period of we're letting the cake bake right now and we're doing what's right we're not necessarily seeing the return on investment right now, Mm -hmm. but it's coming together. And it was a huge boost of confidence for me in the direction we're headed as a business. And we're also going to start a cake company, CakeWit. Yes. Build build Cake. A new subsidiary of BuildWit, CakeWit. Coming soon to a town near you. It's exciting stuff. We're literally going to let that cake bake. Yes. Yeah. There's a guy walking over to my house. All right, we might have to pause the podcast and figure out what these jokers need. And we're back. A little bit of an interruption there. Um, Eric Jumper has been in Nashville for the past two days with Rosso Constructors, mm-hmm. uh, one of the OG BuildWit partners. Excited to see what they get from that. Um, but now that that distraction has concluded, we are back to the podcast. I was talking about St. Louis. Yeah. I think I'd kind of wrap that one up. Um, really surreal experience. I don't know if people listening have, you know, you've met someone that you've always looked up to that you've never actually known before. This was definitely one of those moments in time. Um, that was really cool for me. And I came back super fired up and super grateful and ready to go kick some more ass. Would you say that Andy Frisella is your biggest name drop follower on social media? He's one. I just, uh, Dave Sparks just started following me which is pretty sweet. The thing is you can't, I don't, maybe you can, I just don't, I don't know how to find out what verified pages follow me. I know. I wish they would like stack them up at the top or something like that. I wish they would too. So I I have no idea if, I don't know. I don't know who follows me. Um, 
but I know the guy, I, I don't, I don't know his stuff, but there's a guy he posts, I think he's in Tennessee actually whistling diesel. He was following me. And then I think he got, a, got caught up in some sarcasm and didn't think it was very funny. And then people jumped on him and now he doesn't follow anymore. It's a tough look. But people told me that was a big deal. I didn't know about it, <laughs> but he did follow me. So maybe that at one point, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a big deal, but yeah, I, uh, it's pretty cool to see guys that I look up to looking at bulldozer pictures. Yeah. Um, well, I also traveled last week. One of the rare, actually it was my first work trip for build believe it or not. I think I'm the last person. Was it the first one? I have never traveled for build Well, you've always, so you're in Tennessee. So you always come out to Southern side or well, Rosso. Yes, but also there was a pandemic started right that's, after I start. I started working here. That's fair. Con Expo was like a month after I started working at Buildwood. It was like, we're going to go to that, but we only had nine people or we only had like nine passes or there was some weird thing where it's like, well, you can come, but there's really nothing for you to do. Yeah. And so we were going to have our team meeting in Arizona like two weeks later. So I'm like, well, I'll go to that. Let's, let's do it. My wife was like nine months pregnant and then everything got canceled. We discussed, yes. I, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. So I had never traveled for Buildwood until this past week. Wow. And, and, and so you went to the great state of Utah. Utah, flew into Salt Lake, um, drove down to Orem, got to visit W.W. Clyde, who we've been working with. Um, and I thought I was going to officially meet our friend Randy Blunt. Um, I thought I was going to get to meet him in person finally. If We've had a couple of phone calls and uh, Zoom calls, and I thought eventually I'd get to shake his hand in person. And I got there, and he's like, yeah, I'm calling in. I'm like, you know, funny enough, I was at the airport yesterday in Phoenix, and I ran into Randy at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey man. Yeah. You know, some guy walks by in a in, in flip flops and a Empire Cat backpack. I'm like, wait a minute, that's Randy. Like, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's the guy. So I went over and talked to him for a little bit. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we're we're working with WW Clyde mm-hmm. because of the blunt acquisition. Yes. And so um one thing that Randy and I had talked about um as the acquisition was happening was there there could be some interest in um putting together an internal podcast for their team just for leadership to be able to more effectively communicate with the team. Um, and they've, they've had like a, a quarterly or monthly conference call through like, you know, Microsoft teams or whatever that has had varying levels of success that you know, it's been, been, been hard to get everybody on the call or, you know, it's just the time doesn't work for everybody. And so, um, I had shipped out some of the podcast gear for them. And then I went out, and put it all together in my hotel room. And I, I kind of felt like I was in um, like Ocean's Eleven or something like that. You know how they bring all the gear into the hotel room and they're putting it up, got to keep the door locked. Oh, yeah. Um, so I put all that together and then we did their first episode of the podcast for their just for their team and it was awesome. It was great to learn about their company. Um, and I'd also never been to Utah before. And let me tell you, Utah is more beautiful than Tennessee. Maybe hard stop, just period. If you, It depends where you grow up. So I go up to Utah and I'm used to the mountains where I grew up and that part of town. I grew up in or, Southwest Ohio. part of the country. Very few mountains in Southwest Ohio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like I come out, I come out here and I don't know, I, I, you can't really compare. It, you're like, right, it's different. The beauty, but I'm out, I'm out here like, holy shit, there's trees everywhere. This is wild. It is much greener in, in Tennessee. That's something I can definitely say with yeah. confidence. And there's like a river, right? I, I could throw a rock to the river from my house. Mm-hmm. This what the hell? We don't have a river, uh, but yeah, it's it's a remarkable state. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I also, I never saw them saw any mountains until I was probably 28 or 29. And so kind of since then, I'm always like, there's mountains in this place. Yeah. Let's go there. There's mountains. In and so it just City. was good for my, good for my soul. Um, but it was, it was also great to fill in some gaps f- for them from like a communication perspective. And it, it, you know, it always feels good to, to work with somebody. It's like, I can answer these questions that you have, yeah. or we're not sure what to do with this. You know, where do we go from here? And it was exciting to get to know them and spend some time with them. And podcasting in the, the, the construction industry, I feel like blue collar world's like the last frontier as far as podcasting is concerned. Sure. It's so popular everywhere, everywhere else, but more and more people that have never listened to podcasts before listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. which is super neat. And the interesting thing is this industry has a lot of windshield time and is like the perfect audience for podcasts. Well, yeah, the, the, there is no such thing as a typical commute for people in this industry. It's not no. like, well, let me drive 10 minutes to my office. So I'm going to do that every day. That just doesn't happen. No. They're driving an hour or two hours. Sometimes even more yeah. some of these guys. And they, they do it for years, a lot of them. Um, and so to have valuable dirt content like this. Yeah. I wouldn't say ours is always that valuable, but we try. Valuable, it's debatable for us. Yeah. But for others, like WW Clyde, to listen to during your daily commute, why not? Well, and they were they were so buttoned up in terms of what they wanted to say to the team is, you know, there's when I, I, I kind of put out to them on an email, I was like, you know, I'm not sure exactly what you want to say on. Let's talk about format. And they're like, actually, we know exactly what we want to say. We know exactly how we want it to go. We just don't really know how to capture all that information and then distribute it to our team in a way that makes sense. And I'm like, well, I know those answers. So let's do that. Um, and it was awesome. I think it makes a, t- a ton of sense. It, internal podcasts should kill the company-wide conference call. It shouldn't exist anymore. I agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can a- never get everybody on a call. You we, just can't we do it. Yeah. Yeah. It we solved it. a lot of problems for us. And I think it can solve a lot of problems for a lot of other people. Just my opinion. But what do we know? I am a podcast producer, but you know, that doesn't say very much, I guess. Hey, it's, it's working out for a lot of our partners though. Yep. You got Southern Sight, you got Sargent, you have Clyde now. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts sprouting up in the dirt world. It just, it makes sense. And I would love it if more people understood and saw the value. Well, but anyway, it was fun value after hearing what you just talked about. You know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm changing people's lives here on this podcast. You're making the dirt world a better place. You know, I, in a lot of ways, I think this podcast is really about me more than it's about you. Yes. And, and so, um, this is just step one towards making sure people know that. Okay. <laughs> Good. I, I got an email recently that said, Alex, you're one of my favorite um, podcast hosts I listen to, Aaron, not so much. That made me feel really good about myself. Uh, you know, uh, that's a very valid opinion. And I, uh, I, I agree with them. <laughs> I agree with them. Anywho, enough about, but enough about me, even though this is my podcast and it's about me. <sighs> that's why it's called Dirt Talk. That's why it's called Dirt Talk. We had a couple interesting questions. I feel like these are not our typical questions, but they're kind of fun. That's that's fine. Someone asked me the other day, you know, is it okay if I send in like ridiculous questions? Yeah. Ridiculous questions are encouraged and recommended, please. I mean, because really all these questions are sort of like launching points for us. You know, it's, we're just trying to start a conversation that provides real value. And maybe, maybe we don't even do like this podcast evolves. We just give us talking points. Like if you just want us to talk about something, 
throw it in there too. Yeah. See, the reality is we're not interesting enough to come up with our own content. No, 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 no. And so we crowdsource it and, and we're lazy and rely on you to give us the content we need to discuss and create a podcast with. And it's been working out quite well for a few months now. Yeah, and I can just take credit for all of that, even I, though I didn't come up with a question or the answer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, it, it's genius. Yep. Things are going great. All right, let's get into it. All right, first question. Uh, I'm going to, I'll say this person's initials. This is from LL. My question is how important are titles in a clear chain of command in the contracting world? Okay, this is a good one. I, so I started a company a few years ago. And when you start a company, what, what company did you start? It's called Buildwood. Oh, cool. Yeah. If you hadn't heard of it, check it out. Um, at Buildwood on Instagram, you'll love it. Um, I started a company and when you do that, you kind of, you see how the sausage is made and you see how made up things really are. And I learned that titles are completely made up. And so I did not place very much value on them. And I have since slightly reversed course because if you have no titles, no chain of command, you just have this flat blob of a organizational structure that doesn't function very well. It's not very clear, not very concise. And a lot of people are confused. So I think titles are, they do have their place. And if you're a young foreman and you want to be, you know, superintendent, the change in title is a very valid form of motivation. Big deal. It's a really big deal. And the thing to consider is that just because you're, you have a certain title doesn't necessarily mean you're serving that position. So it's, you know, those who rely on their title to create authority for themselves are the ones that sadly do not understand how leadership functions. Leadership, management, inspiration does not stem from a title. It stems from what you do as an individual and, and your actions day to day. So is it important? Is it something to strive for? Absolutely. But you also have to put in the work and effort alongside it. And you can't rely on a title to get you a certain amount of influence. Yep in the more modern world. Now, was that always the case? I mean, still even at big corporations or back in the day? No, it's a title would give you get you authority. These days, not so much. And it's going more and more in that direction of not so much. The hierarchy is important because it provides more order. The problem where the hierarchy comes into play, or the, the problem with the hierarchy is that there's a lot of bureaucracy it moves slow. You can't adapt as fast. You're waiting on other people for things. You don't know. You need to get permission for things. And I just heard a guy, Rich Davini, former Navy SEAL commander, talk about this the other day. Is He spoke to us in person in St. Louis, and he talked about kind of that flat org structure, that hierarchical, hierarchical. Sure. I'm with you. Pyramid, pyramid. Yeah. Boss man at the top, everybody else at the bottom, toward the, you know, flowing down from there. And there's problems with both. He said the best type of organization is it has a structure, but the person closest to whatever problem arises is the one that assumes command and control of that problem. 
And the way he illustrated this point was when you're on a, a, an airplane, for example, so you're on a commercial airplane, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty, it's not very debatable that the captain has authority of that aircraft. So, so he's the boss, but say that the airplane goes and starts a taxi for takeoff and he gets a call from maintenance and say, hey, well, there's a maintenance problem. You got to turn around. Now, the captain defers to the maintenance guy who mm-hmm. just called him and said there's a problem. If he were just the boss, no, I thought everything's fine. We're just going to keep going. Because he could say, uh, feels like it's driving fine to me. We'll be good. Exactly. Yeah. And he yields judgment to the person closest to the problem. And then you get back to the gate and now it's not the captain or the mechanics problem with all the people. Now it's the flight attendants that need to manage the people and how do they get them? Do they get them off the plane? Do they keep them calm? Now the flight attendant is handling that issue that because that's the one that they own. So long story short or long story, short story long, because I just made this a lot longer than it needed to be. Sure. We're figuring this out as an organization. We've tried out the flat structure. It doesn't work. I've worked at companies with the traditional structure, command and control structure. I can't stand it. So we're striving for something in the middle where we still have structure. We still have titles. Even if the titles don't mean as much internally, they mean a lot, a lot of times externally. You know, if you're, you make up a term for superintendent, you still need to communicate that role to someone else working with you. So you just say superintendent and it makes them understand it. Even if your organization has a different term for it. Um, But we're trying to allow everybody within the organization to handle problems and, and have authority when handling a problem that is closest to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it especially makes sense to me from like a problem solving standpoint. I think, I'm wired to think that um, whoever is most qualified to solve a problem, like you say, you say closest, but I, I my brain goes to like most qualified or more. Most. And that's a form of it. Okay. Yeah. So if it's a, like a podcast problem comes up, Alex, you're the guy for sure. But there's also been problems that are not podcast specific that are like, well, Alex is. We should we should shoot this over to Alex because he has the expertise. Like, there's been some video audio problems that it's just like, ah, with this we need this audio cleaned up real quick. And it's like, you know, our video editors are plenty capable of doing it, but it's like, well, because this is something Alex can do, and he can probably do it faster. Or he focuses more on this day to day. Let's bring him into this because that's pro- that's kind of in his wheelhouse. Yeah, wheelhouse, 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 wheelhouse. And so when you talk about this it's not a flat structure and it's not um, extremely hierarchical. Why is that word so hard? For I don't know. Hierarchical. Um, hierarchical. It's one of those. Hierarchy is the word. So yeah, based on I, a I hierarchy. Can, I can spell it. Yeah. It starts with a Q, silent Q. Yep. Um, so when I think of it as being in between those two from a, stru- like from a st- structural perspective, I, to me that makes the most sense because even though you are the wit and build wit, you're not the most qualified to solve every single problem that comes through the door. You're just not. No, I'm, I'm not qualified to solve almost every problem that comes <laughs> to the door. And the, but the, but the thing is, it's just not, um, 
where the industry stands right now, it's very command and control. Yeah, that's tough. There is there is not a whole lot of decentralized command Mm-mm. at these construction companies. Everything flows from the top down. And especially when it comes to information, a lot of information stops at you know these executives in the office and never trickles down to the foreman superintendents who are actually carrying out these missions. Um, and it needs to change. We need to loosen and, that up. And so when you say like that information kind of stops at that executive level, they're putting forth not orders, but commands for you know whoever's below them, like you said, superintendents, foremans, and they just don't know why that's the the yeah. next solution. It's just you're doing that. Sorry, that's what you're doing. Whether it be methodology, equipment, subcontractors, materials, pricing labor force, a lot of that is decided before they're they're even dealt their hand Mm -hmm. and then they're dealt their hand and they're just expected to perform and make money. And a lot of times their hands are tied and yet they're still the ones that are blamed for not making money. Um, So I just, I've just seen it a lot is, is industry, very command and control. I think it needs to go more to that middle ground of whoever is best equipped to solve a particular problem is the one that solves that particular problem. There's too much of, well, let me call my boss because one that's, that's not empowering that individual. And so you're not getting as much as you could have out of that human and they're not enjoying work as much because they're not empowered. And then two, it's just slowing you down. Yeah. If you have to run everything by another guy. When, we also talk about the in our company about we want to empower everyone to be able to make decisions that benefit um, our partners and our company. Yeah, and I just feel like that would be so hard if it, every single time something came up, be like, "Well, I need to call Aaron and see." I, we just wouldn't get anything done. Nothing, and and the quality would be less. But the crazy thing is, that's how a lot of companies operate. Mm-hmm. Is the guy top, up top uh, signs off on everything? Yeah. And I couldn't even imagine that. And that's why like, I know there's a lot of business owners out there that are just, they're just so wound up and stressed all the time and you can't reach them or whatever it may be. They shouldn't be like that. I mean, we're doing okay right now. Yeah, I'm not wound up and stressed all the time. I don't have all of my time consumed by others needing things for me. If I go on a trip, my phone's not ringing all day. And that's because we've empowered people to make their own decisions. We've talked about this, yeah. make decisions. So I'm not saying we're s- smarter than anybody else, but it seems to be working okay and is the way of the future, I believe. 100%. Well, thanks for the question, LL. Um, I think we've had a little bit of this theme where there's not a perfect answer, there's not a perfect solution. No. Um, next question. From Charlie Hackworth, that we've gotten a couple good questions from him. As an amateur photographer trying to get better at it, what resources did you use to get your photography skills? YouTube, class, self-taught. What do you suggest for a first-time setup without breaking the bank? I'm struggling with learning the different settings, shutter speed, blah blah blah, etc. I I really never studied anything formally. I think I've talked about this. It's it's like anything. You just need to buy a camera and start pointing it at shit, taking pictures. The cool thing about digital photography is you can find out if it was a good picture or not very quickly. Yeah, immediately. Whereas no bad. In, in film, you had to go take the picture, record your settings, get it developed, and then determine, okay, all right, that, yeah, exposure was really screwed up there. 
but you don't know until two days later. Now it's it's instant, mm-hmm. so you can learn a lot faster. So the biggest thing is just, I don't know, find a camera that works for your price point and start pointing at stuff. They're all really good. Yeah. And I'm a big mirrorless Sony fan, um, huge, huge fan of Sony, but there's a, a lot of extraordinary photographers that shoot on Nikon and Canon and all the other types of cameras. I don't really know if one is better than the other. And I don't, photographers say this, have said this all the time. Uh, I mean, the camera doesn't really matter. Sure, I shoot on an expensive camera because it yields a higher quality photo, sure. of course. And it, it means it's important for what we do. But uh, my camera is not a whole lot better than a starter Sony at the end of the day. And for where my skills are, I would be yielding the same photos that I am with a much, much lower level camera. It does, the camera doesn't. It, it gives me a little bit more as far as like if I'm shooting at night. Yeah. Okay, great. I have a lot more capabilities with a, a newer camera or, um, you know, something like a crop sensor. There are a little, a few limitations, but I would just find something that works for you and give her hell. And if you don't know what works for you, there's camera rental stores out there. I used to rent lenses all the time. I would try the lens out. How did it feel? What did I like about it? What I didn't like about it? And that's how I figured out what to use and what my style was. I just, I've always avoided um, legitimate training because I don't want to get wrapped up in what someone else is doing or what the right way to do it is or what their style is. I've wanted to keep my style pure and maybe that's done me a disservice and maybe that's caused me to love Warren slower than some other people, but I very much enjoyed just finding my way. Mm-hmm. The only thing I've ever done was I took a like a three day workshop with Chris Burkhard, who is a photographer I really look up to um, in my first year of business, and that was really helpful. So maybe there's a workshop or something you can do, but yeah. I that's the only thing I've ever done to learn how cameras work. I don't know anything about photography, but I've always been like charmed by it. A lot of it is because I just love gear, and there's an unlimited amount of photography gear out there. See, I I don't like gear. Yeah. I get super overwhelmed by it all. So that's why I just gravitate to like my two lenses. It's just simple. You know what you can get and that's Know what like I enough. can get, know the angles. That's all I need. And again, maybe people say that's not creative enough or it works for me and I enjoy it. So, well, there so is, be it. There is a certain personal style to those things. I remember... One of the first podcasts you and I recorded here um, at the illustrious Buildwit Studios. Yes, at your house. Yes, um, Chell Gerber was here, one of our team members here at Buildwit, um, and you handed him a lens. He said, "Yeah, I don't really like this, but you might like it. It might work for you." Yeah, and I feel like that's like the whole thing is: does it work for you? Are you be able to do what you want to do with it? And if not, either find out and learn how, or pivot towards an, you know another lens or another camera. You know, it's it's sort of like uh, you're just kind of fishing and seeing, does this work for me? Do I like this? And if you don't, then you don't. But And that's why I don't like talking about what I use all that much. Not, uh, I mean, I don't really care people knowing what we use. That's, it's not really proprietary. Anybody yeah. can go buy this camera, uh, the Sony cameras we shoot on. It's just, I don't, I don't want people getting so wrapped up in, that's what I should use. Or like, like oh, Buildwit uses this, so I should get this too. So my my photos will look like this. It's like that's not really. I mean, it's it's still just a camera. Yeah, and 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 you could do that. You can you can emulate us or emulate another person. Like I don't know. In the photography world, we're not all that extraordinary. No, and, and I mean that's my genuine belief. But 
you're, you're just screwing yourself out of the joy of creating something that's your own, in my opinion. Yeah. I guess just one more thought there. Yeah. I know a lot of very big people on the internet that just use their phone for photo and video. Yeah. Just saying. Well, phones are like hilariously better than, you know, digital cameras were 10 years ago. Yeah. That's like not even close. Probably, anymore. probably some of my most liked posts on Instagram are phone videos. Yep. That's how it is. Um, well, thanks Charlie. Uh, next question is from, or our last question is from Brian Arden. He says, Hey, Aaron and Alex, just a quick technical question for y'all. I like that. He put y'all in here. Sounds Southern. Why is it that all the big rubber tire loaders still have two stick controls? Seems like a full joystick loader would be more efficient and accurate. Oh, I, I feel like I've talked about this before. It didn't sound familiar to me, but I'm no, I've, I've, I've asked about it before. Okay. To loader people like on the podcast. itself. Yeah. And and, no, 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 not on the podcast, just in general, because I've, I've wondered that exact same thing. So you have in, in loaders, you have, uh, you know, steering wheel and it's two little sticks that you control with your fingers. Mm -hmm. Um, and one, you know, tilts, does the bucket one raises and lowers Mm -hmm. just two functions. Very simple. And then, and then you have your, your steering wheel. Um, or, so the difference is that or joysticks. Or you, well, or you have a steering wheel or you have one joystick to steer. Okay. Or you can have two joysticks, which is steering and then bucket control on your right hand. I, instead of trying to answer this question, I'm going to say, I don't know. And I'm going to go, to my Rolodex, I'm going to find an experienced loader individual from an OEM, mm-hmm. and I'm going to discuss this with them. Once I'm educated on the subject, I will return on next week's podcast. Oh, good one. Love it. To answer this question. Cliffhanger. Yes. I'm not afraid of saying I don't know. I'm not an expert in this world and the technical stuff. I am far, far, far from an expert on, and I'll, I'll never be an expert on the technical side of this business. So let me talk to an expert on the subject and we'll get back to you. Love it. How's that for an answer? Well, I that's know. an answer. Brian Arden, that means you have to listen to the next Monday episode to get your answer. <laughs> that's actually my real plan. <laughs> I know what the answer is, but I'm just stringing people along. And I'll tell you the answer. Trick. Right after this. Yes. After <laughs> this ad. Which we will never have. Yes. Dirt talk. Um, well then, can you talk about this week's guest? After this ad for Build It Excavating and Grading, your trusted <laughs> local contractor. <laughs> Call us today for a free estimate. Uh, Aaron, you want to talk about this week's guest? Yes. We just did, but we didn't do it very well, so we're going to redo it. Yep. It is Colby with Fueled. I spoke with him uh, a few weekends ago. We, it was a unique conversation because we can appreciate each other's profession because we do similar work. He takes pictures of cool shit. I take pictures of cool shit. And I've followed him since I started BuildWit. His work is absolutely remarkable. I could not say enough good things about his work. It's, it's extraordinary. 
Uh, so we just talk about how he got started in the, in the world of heavy equipment and truck photography and what he thinks about it. It's, it's a, a great conversation. If you don't follow him online, you should. Um, so that's this week's episode. Looking forward to it. Colby at Fueled. Colby at Fueled. It's like, it's Fueled Photo, Fueled Photography, Fueled something. Just fueled. Yeah, leave it at Fueled. Just, I love that's it. just how I, how I refer to him as. I think that's fair. Um, well, with that, like we like to say, that feels like a podcast. That's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are happy to have you here. We're thankful to have you here. Thanks for the great questions. If you have questions, comments, um, or a guest you want to hear from on the next episode of Dirt Talk, drop us a line at dirttalk at buildwit.com. And if you don't drop us a line, if nothing else, continue to share the podcast with those around you. We would really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Tell a friend, print out a flyer with the little tear off. Oh yeah. Like the little things at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Put them on a, put it on a power pole in your neighborhood. Spread the gospel about dirt talk as effectively as you can, because we, as we've discussed, are not very good at this and we have no plans (laughs) to grow this other than you growing it for us. Yeah, we're very thankful for the continued questions that roll in. Um, and you can come listen to this podcast and you might get an answer to your question or you might not. It might come the next week. Yeah. That's just what we do. Remind remind me to get an answer to that question. I will. Okay. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Stay dirty. Stay dirty.